toss that rusty old grill into the lake and set the Barca lounger on fire, you have now entered the Dadward spiral. Hey, everyone. Uh, it's me, Aaron Pruner, the, the guy who started this whole fiasco of a show. Uh, welcome. Uh, now, look, before I even say where you could find me, I just want to preempt this by saying this. We are recording this. <laughs> The night after election night, when it's it's anarchy in my head. Not really anarchy on the streets, but we're all a little loosey-goosey. So please bear with us. With that said, I'm Aaron Pruner. And I'm Eddie Doty. And thank you for sticking with us. You can find me at Aaron Flux on Twitter. Uh, we're Dadward Spiral on Facebook and Instagram, as well as on all the podcast networks and uh, at Dragon, Ragon, Dragon Wagon Radio, who is our host, our our podcast platform, our our uh, home, our our home. It's where we live. It's a physical place, Dragon Wagon Radio. We have yes. the second floor to ourselves. I'm in the bed um, at all times. Yeah, I'm in the uh, I'm in the the Chase Lounge. And uh, before uh, we even it, really get into this, I want to say that if you hear a clinking, that is the ice in my cocktail because I'm fucking drinking. Um, it's whiskey. After election, folks. So welcome. And, you know, I was going to catch up a bit with Eddie, but we were already catching up before hitting record. And before I introduce our guest for this episode, oh, Eddie. Oh, I can't wait to be introduced. I can't wait to be introduced. Go ahead. Do your thing. Go. Spoiler alert. Jesus. I cannot wait. I can't wait. Should, should we mute him? I no, would. No. Oh. Let, him, let, him, let him be the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of our yeah. band. He's, uh, he's both before. the Statler and the Waldorf. Okay. <laughs> uh how you doing eddie i'm all right man it's uh i mean as best as can be expected it's it's a crazy day to be recording a podcast i'm recording another one tomorrow because i'm apparently just You're a fucking cheating on me i get well to be fair uh this is the affair but it's also like it's it's a separate it's a D podcast man it's not like a right. it's not like i'm doing another dad podcast. like i i keep saying every week you are the nerdier of the two of us I, the last I, time know, i played dungeons and dragons was for a bachelor party uh six years ago but it was like a live action dungeons and dragons mission it yeah. was very it was it was crazy we were all given nerf guns and we had to infiltrate a house in in glendale and once we got in there were people in there who were uh the enemies that we had to take out once we that's took like over a, what, the house what, we, what you're describing is a lot you're not that's letting a me finish different. you're not I letting know, me finish you're it's not letting me finish that was the introduction of the night and then for like four hours we played dungeons and dragons what just, uh, I, hold on i enough. just heard somebody say introduction was that for me am i still waiting uh you're waiting okay yes right. uh, i'll be over here yeah uh-huh i'll be over here yep yeah, okay so, uh, but I mean, things are, things are good. <laughs> things are good. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little nutty. It's, uh, it's, we're all just kind of waiting to things. I, I dare, I don't want to say, I don't want to be the guy that says no. like, oh, things seem okay now. And yeah. then like, by and the time honestly, this podcast comes out, it's like the, you know, half the world has detonated. Or I, I don't want to. I don't want this to be a political political podcast. I don't want to be like saying you can't listen to this if you believe this or that. But there definitely is tension in my household because Thanksgiving's coming up, and yeah, yeah, that's a uh, yeah, that's a. Uh, we already had a Facebook altercation earlier today with some uh, dudes who are friends with my mom who uh, 
who got a little too familiar in some of their commentary on my wife and I. So uh, we had to put a stop to that pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. So it's good. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun holiday. <laughs> I, anticipate, <laughs> I anticipate, I anticipate that. I anticipate that uh, to, to, you know, I, I anticipate the level of conspiracy theory to be just enthusiastic um, if certain people don't win. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun to hear. It's going to be fun to listen probably. I don't by think fun, you I mean and I visual. have the same definition of fun. No, I mean, I, I say fun by like, I mean the complete opposite of fun yes. or healthy or constructive. I or, get it. We're not uh, going to Thanksgiving this year. We're doing yeah. it at my place with my wife, my daughter and my mom. We normally host for like a gajillion people. We normally do like an open door policy because I'm I'm actually named after a dude, my ancestor who came over on the Mayflower. Like there was an actual Edward Doty. Oh, I mean, you're the whitest person in the room right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Jeez. I mean, I mean, and some other folks, too. It's not like I, I'm fucking cloned off the guy. But like, no, it's like I, I like making food. I like opening my, yeah. you know, I, I like the mythology of Thanksgiving as opposed to the real history of it. So like I, uh, you know, you can acknowledge the real history, but at the same time, like try to make it better in your in your in your day to day life. So we, we cook a lot of food. We have a bunch of people over and it's normally great. But with the pandemic, that is clearly not happening. Uh, so we're adjusting. We're going to do what we can. Yeah. So, I'm just looking forward to brining a turkey because I haven't done that in forever. And yes, shout out to Alton Brown because his is the video I always reference in doing that. Look, Eddie and I can talk forever about turkeys, but we have um, we have a guest we need to introduce. Oh boy, here I go. Uh, so this is episode number three of our show, Dad Word Spiral. But this guest, what can I say about this man? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> we we share a love for coffee and uh, the finer things in life. He is a writer, a director, a producer, a sketch comedy aficionado, and if you ask me, a voiceover superstar. But those are just some categories. You can't really fit this man into just one or even multiples. The man I'm talking about is Mr. <laughs> Gary Anthony Williams. Oh, Yes. Welcome to the show. Yes. What and first of all, what an introduction. Thank you. People are not talking about brining turkeys enough. No. I don't know if you're gonna do that spatchcockle or cock spatchcockle. Oh, I've done it before. I've done it before, and I cut my I cut my finger on the uh, the spine of the chicken. The proper way to to do that is to cut your finger. You should mix yeah. your blood in with the chicken's blood. There you go. There you go. I mean, I don't know much about uh, fathering, but I know everything about preparing a chicken. Well, it, that that's a great like. I don't want to. I don't want to bury the lead here, but I think you are. <laughs> I don't think. I think. I think you're our first vegan guest that we've had on the podcast. What? Well, Gary hasn't always been vegan, right? Sure. No, sure. no I I grew up raising and slaughtering hogs. And, Seriously? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh well, look, man, you 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 riff with me. I don't know what's. I, yeah, I mean, no, I know I, you you you're from Georgia, right? I'm from Georgia. We had a we didn't have a pig farm or anything, but we raised and slaughtered a lot of our own stuff. Wow. And my grandma had chickens. We had hogs. And, so what you're uh, saying is when the apocalypse hits, I'm coming to your place because you know how to survive. I know how to chop a rabbit behind the back of the head, snip off his feet, skin him down the middle. Yes, I do know that. Hey. That said, I no longer eat any of those things because 
I've shot a lot of things in the head in my in my youth. And I got tired of shooting stuff and eating it. So I stopped eating meat. I stopped eating meat back in 1987. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. And then I became like a complete vegan, like no dairy, no honey, anything like that, like 96. No dairy, no honey. But before You've been that, on the train for a long time. My goodness. What, what yeah. was, was that the reason why? Uh, the, the, the reason for becoming vegetarian was like I really got sick of seeing all the dead stuff like like it, I, I grew up like literally shooting pigs in the head and cutting their throat and hanging them up and letting them bleed out like that kind of stuff and I like I saw where you know a lot of people go like no man you know if you see where it comes from then you know it's like no it was nasty it, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even like oh poor animal it was just like oh this is kind of nasty so I did enough of that that's why I stopped eating meat and then after a while it was like then I became horribly lactose intolerant, which my mother later said, oh, no, baby, you allergic to dairy. You almost died when you were a baby. So it wow. kind of came back on me later in life. I so feel I gave that. up dairy and uh, then I gave up just like honey. And I was like, oh, I'm just not eating any of it. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we started the show off on a on a dark and bloody note. So uh, I don't think it's that I don't think it's that uh, that dark and bloody. Okay. Uh, pigs bleed rainbows. Oh, they bleed rainbows. All right. I, I I'm Jewish. I mean, don't let's not <laughs> let's not all brag about our religions. But, uh, <laughs> well, so Gary, um, yeah, friend. I guess for people listening who may recognize your voice, is is Uncle Ruckus your most famous character that you've done? Uh. Most as far as voiceover, it's probably my most famous character. From the Boondocks? Adults, but yeah, from the Boondocks, uh, which we're recording new episodes of it right now. Hey, even. nice. Yeah. Uh, but also, I do a lot of kids' cartoons as well. I'm Mufasa on The Lion Guard on Disney. I was Doc McStuffin's dad on oh, Disney. Oh, golly. We're a Doc McStuffin's family. I did not well, realize it was you. Yep. Doc, Donnie, yeah. time for breakfast. Like, yeah, okay, I well, there of, it is. Yep. <laughs> I do a lot of, like... I do a lot of kids cartoons as well, but definitely uh, on the adult side, for sure, Boondocks, Uncle Ruckus, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so I guess that this was one of my questions I was going to ask later, but I'll start with that now. Uh, so 2020 and yes, the return of uh, Uncle Ruckus, we talked about yeah. this uh, this character of yours back when you were on my previous podcast. Is this weird coming back to this guy uh, now yeah, it's the perfect time to be coming back lord knows that i don't i know what you're thinking with this here election with yesterday and it ain't even been decided but we all know the true winner is our lord and savior donald trump it's weird in that i hate everything that uncle ruckus loves in life <laughs> <laughs> I hate everything he loves, but I love doing that character so much. It's it's ridiculous. What is it about his character that, that you love doing? The fact that he is so ignorant of his own stupidity. Uh, he's ignorant. He's so ignorant of his own hatred that it makes him funny to me. And it gives me a chance. Like, I kind of stole his personality from a lot of the the guys I used to see hanging around my dad when I was younger, like there were some black dudes who 
he I don't know why my dad kept a couple of them around who like didn't really seem to like other black people, you know, but everybody pretty much liked my dad. So uh, but they would be around and, it's, uh, you know, sometimes they were just espousing how great the white man was to us. And I was like, even as a kid, I was like, what are you saying? What are you talking about? There was a man named Mr. Candy Walker who would come around like just to the house and be like, if you shake hands with the white man, you shall become friends. And he's this old black dude like, why are you telling us what, what I couldn't understand? I never understood what that dude's deal was. Now you you say now you're from Atlanta. I'm from uh, south of Atlanta, from uh, Fayetteville, Georgia. Fayetteville, yeah. okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, do you find and and it's not you know hearing you talk about Ruckus and the inspiration. Do you find yourself in in your as an actor? Do you find yourself referencing a lot of that era of your childhood in terms of informing the characters and in form of in, informing the personalities of the roles you occupy? A hundred percent. I steal from everything. I steal definitely from my childhood, definitely from my dad, from my mom, my sisters and brothers are all funny. So I steal, I steal from them all the time, but I steal from stuff I see on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Like anything that strikes me as funny that sometimes I don't even realize is in there. I will end up somewhere. It's going to end up falling out of my mouth. So, yeah. But I definitely roll around a lot in my, in my childhood and the, and the people that I grew up around for sure. I'm fascinated about that. Cause I never been to Georgia and, but the times we've talked, especially when I was freaking out about having a kid and how you were telling me it was the, the most beautiful thing. And you were yeah. giving me all this positive feedback. And even the times that I've seen you afterwards, when I've been out with Lily, it's you, you have this very welcoming, happy vibe. Like this joy comes over you when you're around my daughter, which is not concerning at all. Uh, I'm kidding. No, um, it, should, it should not be. As I told you earlier, I know more about raising little white children than anyone in the world. Anyone. You, but you did. You give you gave me great advice. And just there was something. Um, I guess what I'm getting to is you've been a dad longer than both Eddie and I have. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, first off, this is a question I'm, I'm fond of asking. How did becoming a father or did it impact your creative process in in being in front of the camera or just uh, performing as an actor? Because I did some research on you. I didn't know you did Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. Shakespeare was my first paid, maybe first or second paid theatrical. Yeah, I started out in the theater doing Shakespeare. Uh, I, I, it's it impacted me in many a ways <laughs> a crazy way that it impacted me was my son was very young and he's still this kid he's 17 now which by the way for both of you uh, how old are your kids 18 months for for you eddie right i got i got a i got a nine-year-old son i got a six-year-old son i got an 18 month old daughter so nine nine years so he'll be, yeah. he'll be 10 he'll be 10 in january so, so he'll be seven. Like he'll be seventeen in February. That's all I'm telling you. Like that, <laughs> that time sir, is like, bam. sir, let me tell you, I am I am seeing glimpses not just of the teenager he's going to be. That in some ways he already is. I'm seeing glimpses of the man he's going to become. And I yeah. know Aaron asked a fantastic question. I don't want to step on it, but like I I I see. You tell me if this is 
correct or not. I okay. feel in the next two and a half to three years, I'm going to have an opportunity to steer him maybe two or three degrees on his axis that could help inform the man he's going to become. I feel like anything much beyond that, my influence as a father may not find as much purchase as it will over the next like two years. I, That's what I'm sensing. At least. Here's what, here's what I think about that whole thing. I think, and, and this is for me being, I'm only a one-time dad, but I have a crap load of nephews and nieces. I have six yeah. sisters, two brothers, and wow. there are so many black, so many black people. When I go home, like I don't know who all these kids are. They have different names. <laughs> like there's Scooter, who's really Frank, or there's there's Walter, <laughs> but it's really Spanky. Like everybody, everybody in the Black South, you got like ten different names. And since I'm not home all the time, they're changing them on a weekly basis, and they all know. So if I call Goo Goo, they're like, nobody calls Goo Goo anymore. Hey, Goo is Andre now. Oh, okay. What? <laughs> By the way. 99% of those names I just told you are really names of my nephews and nieces. And it's literally always changing. Wow. Hey, Scooter. Like, who is Scooter? I, I don't know who that is. I do feel like when kids come out of the hopper, when they come out, they are there. All we can do is like shave it a little, polish the edges a little bit, push them a little bit to the left or the right. But I think that they, whatever they come out as, what my son came out day one, came out of the womb looking around. And my buddy Nick Jameson was there. He was looking around like, I, I don't really know who y'all motherfuckers are. I don't trust you yet. But when I do, we're going to be cool. Yeah. He's still that guy. Like, hold on, give me a chance to know you. All right, we're cool now. Yeah. He's still that dude. Like, From very little in his personality has changed. Very little. He's mostly that thing. His core is still mostly that core. What did happen around 10, boys go through a real dick phase, man. Boys, <laughs> boys go through a little pre-adolescence phase where it's like, what is happening with you dudes? What's going on? The girls don't really hit it so much, but the boys hit it hard. All of my son's friends hit it hard. And then they went through it. They made it through and then everything was... Groovy. Uh, that, that's, that's funny. That's, that that's funny. I'm sorry, Eddie. Uh, no, my daughter go. from day one has been the most vocal, talkative girl, even before she knew how to speak. And here she is, two years and one month on this planet, and she already knows over a hundred words. And it's insane to me at such a young age, yeah, to be able to communicate the way she does. But she's always yeah. been that way. And it was like, you know, we didn't teach her that, although we are her parents. We're also creative and loud and talkative and opinionated. But it yeah. is it is interesting to see that. And and, you know, I looking back on baby pictures and where she is now, it's it's nuts. It's only been two years, but it feels like it, it was yesterday. Yeah. And yeah. people keep telling me they're like, well, just appreciate it now. Because that yeah. time's going to go by super fast. I, I 100%, I always wanted to be a dad, and I don't know where you guys stepped no. into it. I, I love always. kids. There's a reason yeah. why this show is called The Dad Word Spiral. <laughs> I had, I, I seriously, and I explained this uh, before, but I had a very, very long panic attack that lasted uh, the whole time Kelly was pregnant um, up through to about the first half of the first half of the year that Lily was alive. 
because mm-hmm. I never had a dad or a grandfather or an uncle or a great grandfather around. Like there's a lot of generational trauma that, that mm-hmm. I believe exists in my family. My grandfather died in an accident on my grandmother's birthday before wow. I was born. My grandfather was in the Holocaust. I mean, sorry, my great grandfather was in the Holocaust. My dad uh, was really into drugs and I never knew him. So it's like, I didn't want to be that because uh, the whole messaging sure. growing up was, you know, your dad was a piece of shit and your grandfather is dead. And I had no positive examples of it, mm-hmm. though I never wanted to. There was so much anxiety behind it. And so that's why I'm doing this now, because now that I am a father, it's all I think about. And I yeah. never used to think about it. Yeah, I I love being a dad. Like there are times you were asking me about how does it inform my acting and all of that or, kind or of stuff. how did has it changed how you it changed the biggest thing it changed i was because i grew up in such a huge family i was never a selfish person no so and i know a lot of people are like you know it taught me like like let's think less about myself i've never been that person because i grew up in a huge family like you're not going to have your own room yeah, like none, none of that's going to happen. Like you're <laughs> not going to, we're not all going out to a restaurant on your birthday. There were nine of us. <laughs> um, yeah. So what it did teach me more than anything was patience. And sometimes what my son taught, but what he would like one time he was doing something. I was like, Ethan, don't do that. Ethan, Hey buddy. And he was like six and he goes, Hey, dad, instead of always telling me what I can't do, can you just tell me the things that I can? And that was the day I went, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I. Yes, I can. I can. That's how that is how we can operate. And that was the first big change I remember. And then he just started spitting truth very young to the point that me and my buddy Jeremy Rowley, we sold a show to Cartoon Network based solely on my son's ideas. He would just have these crazy scientific workable ideas that were this close to genius and this close to crazy. And we sold the show based straight up on him, based straight up on his ideas. So like I literally listened, I just got off the phone with him. I literally listened to him all the time. And I made a deal with him like if you have a difference of opinion with me and you can change my mind then you win you go you feel free to change my mind on it if it was about anything if it was about punishment if it anything if you really have something to say and you want to change my mind you go right ahead because he made me realize early on what i didn't know and how to attack things it, from his point of view, and he's never, ever, he's, he's a fairly shy kid till you get to know him, but he's never been shy about stating his point of view with me. And he knows to this day that I will always listen to his point of view. He's never yeah. going to go, you're not going to care about what I got to say. He knows that I'm going to listen to his point of view. And now that he's this age, at 17, starting about 16 is the first time that he started really coming to me with questions, with problems that normally he never would have come to me with. Now he's like flipped the whole script on me and he'll call me and ask me my opinions on things at this age that he never did before when he was 9, 10, 11 or 12. It's a whole different ball game, but 
we developed this trust literally because of that first conversation of, can you start telling me the things I can do and not just what I can't do? Yeah. How, old he, how old was he when he said that to you again? He was about six. Yeah, that, that's, I, I've noticed little ingots of wisdom come from the kids and like my son Riker just turned six and I, I'm always, man, I always wish that they, you know, cause kids, you know, you never know what your kids like really think of you. You know that they love you. Mm -hmm. You know that, you know, you know, but like in terms of what they actually articulate, my biggest thing is I want them to always know that they can talk to me. Like no matter what it is like that, that's all I really want is just no matter what their perception of me is, that's like the thing mm -hmm. that I want them to walk away feeling is that they can always talk to me about anything at any time. Yeah. And if they're ever confused, my wife or I should be the people they come to immediately Yeah, to, tack, to talk about it. But man, that's, oof, I, I mean, that's, I, a, that's, that's a big thing, at least in my eyes, because, you know, growing up, I didn't really have uh, a trusting relationship to be able to talk about things like that to my parents and or parent my mom and my grandmother and so that's one thing we've been trying to do here early on is give lily a sense of agency and understanding that she mm -hmm. she has the right to have these like when she has temper tantrums i remember when i had temper tantrums when i was a kid you know i got spanked uh and we're not doing that here but we it's a new concept for me that um this idea of kids at this age, my daughter's two, and she's processing these big feelings that she has and doesn't mm -hmm. know how to deal with them when they mm -hmm. come over her because her brain is still developing. So there's that notion of the terrible twos where in fact it's, it's recognizing and vocally identifying what she's experiencing and what she wants and how I understand that, but also why it can or cannot happen. And that has in and of itself uh, changed the way I interact with just everything. Yeah. You know, with my son, like, like Eddie, it seems like your kid started communicating earlier like that with my son. Like I was always putting that, trying to put that trust into him, but only now do I see it just coming back the other way. Like he can call me and talk about, anything now and he never did this until now mm. like he never even wanted to talk on the phone like once i had a movie i was shooting in africa and i was facetiming him he was a young kid and i was facetiming him and he he did not want to facetime me and i got back and i was like ethan that makes me feel really sad that you don't want to talk to me when i'm away from home and he said if i talk to you i'll miss you more Oof. And that made me go, oh, got it. And then I never felt bad ever when I was gone, when I was had to be on the road. Because when he was first born, I had a movie that I had to shoot 10 days after he was born. I had to go out of town. Oh, wow. I changed every diaper until I left. And then when I got back, I changed every diaper. Like yeah. I wanted to be a dad. Like still being a dad is the best thing in the world to me. I wanted to be there. I wanted to change his diaper. Like he was so bonded to me, like, like, you know, hand in hand since the time he was very tiny. So when he said that it would make me miss you more then I really got, I started to understand his psyche. Yeah. Only now something happened in him that made him switch on that part of him. It was like, okay, 
I, I don't know if it was, let me test you. Let me tell you what this thing that's going on. Let me tell you that's that's going on. And he knows I'm going to, if it's something that he doesn't even want me to tell his mom about that, I, I, it's between me and him right now. It's, it's man to man stuff right now. That, oh yeah. I, that was pretty powerful. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to sit back and, and marinate on that for a minute. Cause there's a lot, to, I mean, there's, there's so many parallels, um, but there's also like, it's, I think part of the reason why Aaron wanted to start this and why I was so eager to say yes, is that a lot of times as dads, we experience this stuff in seeming isolation. Uh, we can obviously talk to our spouses about it. Um, but if you're in a, if you're in a opposite sex couple, like, like Aaron and I are where, you know, I, I talked to my wife, she views it through the lens of motherhood and I view it through the lens of fatherhood. My father's passed. I, I don't, you know, I can't compare notes with him. Um, and you know, we, you know, a lot of times when men get together and talk about, you know, fatherhood, it's, I don't know if it's this unspoken expectation of how deep we can get. Um, but a, a part of this, the reason I think we do this is because for moments like that, where we can sort of acknowledge and hear like, Hey, you know, what you're, you're not experiencing this in isolation, other fathers experience this too these feelings, uh, these moments, these sort of like unlocking moments where you see your child kind of evolve in a moment before your eyes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, moments like that are kind of the reason why I think we wanted to do this, but why also I think like we need to do this and we need to have more conversations like these. Because mm -hmm. there just wasn't a lot of that, you know, for us, I think. And, I, and I'd be curious to hear, you know, for you, when you were becoming a parent, you know, who, who were the people that you spoke to that you confided in that you compared notes with that for you were the ones who you patterned yourself after, you know, whether it's your father or just, you know, other men in your family, who, who was it for you? That was like, I want to be like that in terms of being a dad. I think there are a lot of people and some of them aren't even dads. Like my brother, Jeff does not have any kids of his own, but all of my nephews and nieces, love him just because he's he's a funny guy but he's just genuine with he's just genuine with them and i always connected stronger to kids anyway because i i kind of have a, a a young simple i have a simple brain <laughs> kids they make sense to me they make more sense than older people especially until my mother was dying and i was around a bunch of old people old people made no sense to me. Like, I'm being serious with you. Like, I don't understand them. They scare me a little bit. Old people always kind of scare yeah. me. Kids, I got. Like, put me around a baby even. Put me around a two or three-year-old, and I'm good. I get you. I understand you. I'm not going to be mad if you're going crazy on a plane. You need to be somewhere else right now. I get it. You can scream the whole flight. That's not going to kill me. We've all been babies. You know what I mean? So people like my brother, Jeff, my dad was different because my dad was always working, but he, he definitely cared. Like my dad and mom, like all of us, I'm talking about the six, six sisters and two brothers and me. It's all the same dad and mom. It wasn't like mixed families. It was all them. He cared. He was there like 
I wasn't worried about anything with my dad. I wasn't worried about, hey, he doesn't love me. Like that was not, like, not a thought in my head. He didn't voice anything like that. First time I saw my dad cry was at my grandmother's funeral. The second time I saw my dad cry was when I was moving to California. Like, that's it. Never saw my dad cry. He was a World War II veteran, uh, other than when, he's, when his son was moving away from home. So I knew how much my dad cared. It was just not a spoken thing. It's not the kind of thing I can say to my son. I, I, he didn't hang up the phone every time and say, I love you, you know? Like, I'm, not, I'm never going to hang up the phone with my son and not say, I love you, you know? So definitely my dad and my brothers, uh, those are the men around. But my mother was such a strong figure. Like a black mother is a black mother. And it's like you got two dads and somebody nurturing. Like my mother was very nurturing and a strong figure, you know. So definitely her as much as any man. She just cared about people. Like she liked people. I like people and I love kids. That's that's funny because, Gary, I grew up around old people. And mm-hmm. I have been afraid of children until having my own. Wow. I hated kids. My whole thing going wow. into this was like, <laughs> I can't be a dad. Well, I can't be around like kids are just germ machines. She's just going to be vomiting <laughs> all over the place. And I can't be around puke. Like I'm going to puke. I don't want to puke in my daughter's hair when she's puking. What, uh, what type of message is that going to send? And I mean, you know, I already had one bunion removed from my foot like almost 10 years ago. Like I seriously, I got all the old person problems and I was raised around old people from early on. So like, uh, like Phil Rosenthal and somebody feed Phil, like for the first season, he was talking about being raised with food that had no flavor. And that was literally me. I was raised on my grandmother's no salt diet. Like Uh, I didn't start having even an understanding of what real food was supposed to taste like until my teenage years where my best friend um introduced me to real food so like uh i'm going off tangent here but it's just funny the the correlation between you uh relating to babies and me relating to old people because uh it's just it's funny I, i told my wife early on when she first met me that you know i went to her family's house for the first time for the holidays and it was like culture shock for me because Hanukkah at my family's house is like that episode of Seinfeld where George Costanza's family is around the table. Like it's everyone talking over everyone else, people arguing about the hardness or softness of a matzo ball and the matzo ball soup. And it's always (laughs) like battling uh, doctor's test results. Like I told her, I said, it's going to happen where most people are going to start talking about doctor's visits and test results and all this. And she thought I was kidding. And about, Half an hour into being there, it happened. And yeah. she actually had to get up and leave the room because she could not keep a straight face. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But, but I'm I'm actually super fascinated. And uh, look, I am a white man. Uh, I, I don't know what the black experience is like in America uh, firsthand, but I'm super fascinated by hearing about these stories about big families and the the connection between brothers and sisters and all that because i had none of that i had a very isolated family experience growing up a very fractured experience because of the the the, the trauma that happened before i was born um Mm -hmm. but but you know also i've never been to georgia and it feels like down there it's a whole different world from what we're living in in la well 
also, so my parents were older, uh, older and poorer, which kind of almost set them back many years in the way we grew up. So when I grew up in Fayetteville, Georgia, <laughs> it was nothing for us to be driving up through Riverdale to Atlanta and see the Klan out on the side of the road, like handing out pamphlets and stuff like that. So if you grow up as a kid, like in, like we were very poor, very poor. Uh, and I know a lot of people say, man, we were so poor, but we were happy. We didn't know we were poor. Like that's bullshit. If you're really poor, you know, you're poor. Like oh, I, was, no, I, yeah. no <laughs> I, I was on food stamps when I was a kid and wearing hand-me-down clothes that had patches and like, I got beat up for it. Like I know. See, we, we were poor, but too proud to be like, taking government handouts that's why we raised our own you know raised our own hogs and like yeah. had a huge it wasn't a farm but, but like a huge plot of land like three quarters of the way around our house where we get corn and tomatoes and beans like we raised and ate most of our own stuff you know when i was growing up um what was I saying about? I don't. I don't remember why I was going in. Oh, oh you were you, talking about being young and the clan and the experience. Yeah. Growing up so and, the stuff I saw growing up, like my dad had a messed up eye until he was very old. When a doctor said, "Hey, I could fix your eye for you," because we grew up in this backwards-ass town back then. It's changed a lot now. Where he was beat by the cops for being black. Like that was it. Like it was a very segregated kind of town you know like my cousin greg was one of the first two black kids to go to the public school before that it was the colored school and the regular Ugh. school like that's that's the kind of thing that i grew up in it's it's so, crazy i'm sorry for interrupting just for a second but it's just crazy to think about and i know dave Chappelle talked about this in his recent uh special after mm -hmm. george george floyd but like it wasn't that long ago like people no. seem to think that it was so long ago it was what two generations one generation from like a whole different time where people are like oh it was different we're so different from from where we were to where we are but i'm like nah, it I, wasn't that long ago well my my grandmother's my grandmother's parents were slaves like for me like that's how far back it was it wasn't it wasn't long ago i knew my grandmother very well and her parents had been slaves so it, it wasn't that long ago but like growing up growing up as a kid with that and then you had that strong family around and then your cousins like cousins were like family cousins were always there so we were always around each other everybody was always supporting each other you know it was it was a huge 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 family that yeah. that's what it was like and so and there were always kids around and so i think that's why i was so comfortable you know with kids around and I see saw the joy of just playing and and yeah you know I grew up in the woods basically I, I saw that joy and I I've never lost that joy and my son is a very serious kid so a serious kid with a very dry sense of like very very funny but very dry sense of humor totally different kind of sense of humor than I have except he can screw with somebody with a straight face and they don't know it until a day later that kind of thing uh so i grew up very very playful playful and he he is a very cerebral funny brilliant kind of kid i guess uh yeah i i i think i met him once at m street and he seemed very in his head well i didn't want to like get get in his way like he seemed like he was mulling over some sort of big equations on life he he, he does he's 
he's he is his own person and i will never stand in his way from being his own his own person like he's in he's invented things <laughs> yeah like he's that guy he's literally i gave he got a rubik's cube and like the next day it was taken apart and it's like Wow, dude. He's like, didn't you take yours apart when you had? I was like, <laughs> I was like, no, I would have been afraid. Didn't you want to know how it worked? Yeah, but dude, I was gonna get one. I'm never going right. to put it back together. That's you know? funny. Um, I'm building to a question that makes me nervous asking because I don't want to get super political on the show. But no, I don't mind. There <laughs> is the and joe biden mentioned it in in the debate and i've actually heard about this through other black friends of mine yes you're not the only one uh but mm, well, we'll see. <laughs> there <laughs> I, I never had to have these talks with my family or my mom to explain how to behave if being pulled over by the cops and it mm -hmm. feels like even recently over the past few months we've had in my household uh, you know, deep borderline furious discussions with certain people in the family about the concept of systemic racism in the country and also how privilege can just come to you by sheerly have a certain color of skin, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether or not you grew up poor or rich. And mm -hmm. I'm wondering what your perspective is or your experience is in raising uh in being raised in that this type of environment i guess and mm -hmm. also raising a kid in an environment that has changed but hasn't at the same time right and also raising him out here in california in more of a bubble than yeah oh that's when a good he point go, when he goes home to see his cousins when we go home at christmas or in the summer or whatever to see all his cousins like they live yeah, you know, it's it's way better than when I grew up there. Way, way better. But it's a different life than he has. His my ex, his mom is is white, but he just looks like a black kid. Like you're never going to. He has a huge, huge fro. Yeah. You're never going to think he's anything other than a black kid. So he when he was younger, someone said, What does he identify as? I was like, I, I don't know. So I go to him and I go, what do you identify as? He goes, Dad, I, I don't think about that stuff. <laughs> he, nah. he never thought about it as younger. Now I guess he identifies as black because he's now in high school and, you know, suddenly the world has made him a black kid, even though equally he's both of those things. Yeah. But he looks like a black kid. Um, definitely you have to have the talk as they say when it comes to driving about being pulled over by cops i will tell you a hundred percent it's going to be weird to find any black dude who's grown up anywhere maybe then in la but i'm guessing it in la as well who have not who has not been harassed by a cop who has not been followed around in a store dude i was followed around in stores all the time all the time I couldn't walk down the street without people locking their doors. But, you know, like before there were when there were power locks, you hear the yeah. chunk. when there wasn't the, the ladies would stretch like they're stretching and they would reach over and lock their passage. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> in, in the South, you know, so I grew up I grew up seeing that stuff all the time. And it 
it makes me angry and it made me sad for them to think, what do you think that I want from you? Yeah. And so my son is very aware. Like we've never not had a conversation. If he was ever curious about anything, I remember I used to listen to Dr. Laura more as a joke than anything, but she was like, when you, you know, when your kids ask a question, just answer enough, answer enough that they stop asking questions. But my son never the question stopper. Like it was like, and then why is that? And then tell me more about that. And then why is that? So he would always go till he got a full answer. When he found out that his white mom, like, oh, so they, white people used to own black people. And he was very young where he would just press on more. What do you mean? Why did they do that? Like he was maybe four at that time. And it's like, but I made myself a promise before he was born. If he ever asked me a question, I'm going to answer it and I'm going to answer it truthfully. I promised myself that it made my stomach sick for two years because he wouldn't shut up with questions. It really <laughs> did. And now it has paid off in, you would say spades, but that's racist in shovels. Uh, Very it, well done. <laughs> but it, it has, it's definitely paid off. So when he found out that my ex, that she raised, that like her, you know, her line of people owned my line of people. Like it was like, what do you mean at a very young age? And he wanted all the explanations for everything. And he's never been hurt by the truth. He was um, three years old. He was helping me fix the chimney. <laughs> and, and he bolted up and goes, there's no Santa Claus. Oh, oh no. Like, I, said, why, I said, why would you say that? And he goes, he couldn't fit down the chimney. Reindeer can't fly. And he would never make it around the world if they could. There's no Santa Claus, wow. right, Daddy? You can't and I debate said, it. I said, Jeez. do you want to know the real answer? And he goes, <laughs> yeah. I said, there's not, but don't. He goes, I won't tell my friends. I was like, okay. And he never <laughs> did, you know? And that was three. That was at three. That's so crazy. We've had those. Been we, we've. I'm sorry for interrupting you. We've had no, those conversations really? yeah. here, and and you know, I I have said it before. I'm a I'm a Jewish man, but also I I married a, a woman who is from a Christian family, and mm -hmm. so we're raising our kid in an environment that celebrates both Hanukkah and Christmas. Mm -hmm. But my wife was the one that was like, I don't want to raise her with a lie about. Uh, this Santa Claus character, and I'm like, yeah. you want to tell her that he, that that he doesn't exist, and she and he, she's like, well, I want to be honest with her. I don't want to lie about it and put her on some stranger's lap in the mall and be like, this is Santa, you know. Yeah. Wait, I I can't argue that. I I didn't, you know, I I grew up believing way longer than I should have that there was a Santa Claus. And so I just figured, you know, when he asks me, then I'll tell him or when he's older, but I didn't expect it to be wow. at three. Yeah. You know? But you, he's, yeah. No, I was just saying, do you, like, cause no, it's okay. There's, cause there, there's this whole like idea of like kids losing innocence. Right. Yeah. And I, and I know like <laughs> from, from my perspective and, you know, from being a, a white dad, everything earlier this year, we had to sit our kid, bo our boys down and explain to them why, the protesting was happening we had to explain to them you know everything that happened with george floyd and so i and that was that was there was a moment where i was explaining to them like no you cannot just inherently 
trust every cop you see. Like there's just, you can't, you know, there's, and, and I come in from perspective of I'm former military and I can sort of see the exact reasons why a lot of that is in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, training and all this other stuff. But like, for me, I got, I, got, I allowed myself to be sad for about three seconds that they were losing their innocence. And then I was immediately kicked in of like, I don't have the burden that my friends who are black and brown fathers, they have to have this conversation plus a whole lot more, you know? Yeah. I mean, especially for me, like I said, knowing what happened to my dad's eye, just literally for being black in Fayetteville, Georgia, like literally that's the reason. Like, I, I guess I never had, I had the innocence of Santa Claus, but I never, I never felt hurt by the truth. So the other thing about my kid that really describes who he is, is I was talking to him about joy. Like for me, what I seek in life, I seek joy. Like in everything I do, if I have a job, how fun is it? If it's, if there's another job that pays an equal amount of money, I'm taking the fun. And if there's another job that pays less, I mean, if the joy job pays a little bit less, but it's like serious joy with people I love, I'm still taking the joy job. So I'm talking to him one day about joy. It's like, son, you got to find your joy in life. And he goes, <laughs> I, I, I don't, that's not what I seek, dad. <laughs> Again, he's probably 10 at this age. And I, go, I, I, I relate a lot to your son. Yeah. And I said, I said, what do you seek? And he goes, I seek the truth. And I said, okay, well, the truth is your joy. And he goes, no, you want that to be my joy. I seek the truth. I was like, done. We're good. You know who you are. Like, he, he knows. He knows. So I, I, oh, man, that, innocent, that innocence, that loss of innocence thing for him, it was just never, it, that never was a thing with him. Because what makes him more satisfied than anything is just knowing what's real in life and i don't see that hurting him he enjoys who he is he enjoys doing the things that he does and he enjoys his friends and he enjoys track and he enjoys computer programming like he enjoys all of those things but more than anything like let me find out what's real about some shit and then then i'm good that's i think one of the reasons why so many people flock to you at least before the pandemic at i used to call gary the mayor of m street Uh. The I was copy. the city comp, the city comp comptroller. Because <laughs> everyone fucking knew you, and and every time I'm around you, it feels like you're so happy, and you you ooze this sort of joyous personality. And I don't know if you could tell, but I'm kind of a curmudgeon, and although I have come to embrace the concept of joy and kindness and seek it out more now that I am a father, mm-hmm. and I and it's weird that that wasn't where my mind was or my priorities were before having a kid. And -hmm. it's something that I'm, (laughs) I've been grappling with for a while because, you know, we've talked about this before on the show that there was pre Lily and post Lily. Lily is the name of my daughter before Mm -hmm. her. I was a completely different person and I haven't a hundred percent changed, but uh, even a friend of mine, I saw him like two months ago. He was like, wow, you're way more patient than you, than you were. And it's like, it's kind of hard not to be, especially when you're in lockdown with a child. Wow. See, you did, you guys have done something with that, that I never. Uh, Eddie has three. 
and a yeah, full-time yeah. job. Yeah. <laughs> I would have probably, uh, I would probably be on pills by now if I had three, like just to red. Well, but there's, there's, there's a lot of, and you're, and you're hearing some of it now, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of like unseen advantages to having more than one. And um, when, you know, my oldest is three and a half, almost four years older than my, my, my other son. And he's about three and a half, almost four than my daughter. And for us, you know, seeing the two boys, um, seeing the two boys, like, take care of each other Mm -hmm. you know when i'm in the other room or like if i'm getting ready for the day and i hear them interacting and sort of um you know i had three older brothers but we weren't all raised in the same house at the same time because we're all like half brothers and stuff and there's a significant Mm -hmm. age gap they have everything i never had in terms Mm -hmm. of a brother-to-brother relationship and to see that unfold is like such a privilege because i'm seeing them not just learn from me but i can see bit, bit like them taking bits of what they learned from my wife and myself, putting it into practice and reminding each other of that mm-hmm. and adding their own perspective and their own wisdom to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're saying earlier about your kid being your kid almost out the gate and just, you know, you shave off little bits, the core of who my oldest son is, I could not ask for a better oldest sibling for my other children than him. Mm-hmm. Cause he, he, he encourages his siblings. I'm getting choked up. He encourages his siblings. He um, he helps keep them calm. He inspires them. Like he mm-hmm. he gives them fun and comfort. You know, like and it's and yes, you have your hands full with with more than one child, but to see them themselves fill in the gap, even the mm-hmm. younger ones, the older ones, it's it is it is something. It is something to, wit- yeah. to witness. And if anything, it's made me more paranoid in my choices because I don't want to like have a bad day, teach them the wrong thing, and then see that reverberate. Uh, yeah, but, I, you know. I I do think that you get a couple of chances on teaching a kid the bad, <laughs> the, a, a wrong thing. But I I if I have a regret about fatherhood is that I didn't have more kids, uh, mm. especially growing up in a big family. Like I would love to. My son, he's only mentioned it one time that it would have been nice to have a sister or brother, but he could care. He's the only kid. Um, But for me, like I, I, I loved that experience and I, and, you know, like to have given my son that experience to have a sister or brother is great. But also just the fact that I, I like being around those little people. So that's, that's the biggest out of everything, that's like my biggest regret is I, I don't have what you have, Eddie, which is which is more of those guys, because you do end up taking care of each other. And, you know, I, you have some built in friends and some you can have built in enemies, too, you know, <laughs> with, with sisters and brothers. But definitely, you know, I I can pick up the phone anytime. And my brother called me today just to ask me about my car. You know, that kind of thing. Like, well, just, Ed, Ed, Eddie, I don't know. We haven't even talked about this. Uh Gary drives a Tesla. Only now. You offered me the ability to ride that thing before uh, yes. the drive that thing before the pandemic hit. I haven't yeah. forgotten. Well, when, when, when it's when they, I'm going to walk they, to your house. I'm just going to start walking around the neighborhood yelling, Gary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or whistle for the car. I drive the poor man's Tesla, but I did, you know, I get a car. I'm a cheap guy. I get a car and I keep it until it dies. And one day I was driving my Hyundai Sonata 
at the corner of Whitsett and in uh, Moore Park, and a 17-year-old boy took a left in front of me oh. who shouldn't have, and I had the green, and I the airbag came out in slow motion. I was like, up. Oh, Time to get a new car. So I just went and got that thing. Right and, by uh, the library. Right by the library. <laughs> yeah, that's where I dropped off my ballot. Um, yeah. Gary. I, I, let me say this. And I know this sounds real cliche, but it is 100% true for me. I have learned five times more from my kids seriously than I will ever be able to teach him. Like she has taught me, like literally taught me things and just in the world taught me things. And some things he didn't know he was teaching me. And some things that made me go, if adults could live, th there was once when nothing bad was going on. It was me and my ex. And we're eating dinner with my son. And he just goes, uh, I've thought of all the punishments that you guys could do to me. And really, they're, they're not that bad. So, and I thought if every adult went to work and thought, I thought of all the worst things that my boss could do to me. And they're not that bad. I mean, think of how productive we can all be. If you know, like nobody's. Chances are your boss isn't going to shoot you with a gun or your name. You know what? If, if you thought that things aren't nearly as big and scary as we are, as 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 they seem in our head. But I, I've learned so much from that dude. More than I could ever give back to him. And I don't know if it's this is a question for you guys. I don't know if it's just the kid I'm raising. I don't know if it's because I really listened to him or I don't know if it's, that is just the parental experience that we get educated by them. I don't know what it is, but I can honestly say without sounding like a freaking book that that is 100% true for me. I've already learned a bunch about myself I didn't know or, a I, I, uh, or like a bunch about what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. I think for me, because because as I'm hearing you talk, Gary and, and Aaron, like as I'm hearing you say that, it, there's so many experiences that resonate. I, I think like the best way I could put it is your your, your children are, are like a mirror and you can see a lot of yourself in there, but you can also see like the the world behind you, you mm -hmm. know, in that reflection. And what you're seeing is how they view the world and like how they interact with it. And doing so because you're facing that direction they're facing the opposite and they get to see a whole side of the world that you don't mm -hmm. and the parts of them that are you mix and collide with the parts of them that aren't you and you get to your perspective widens if you let it uh there are some suboptimal dads out there who maybe like mine, <laughs> you know, I mean, l listen, I mean, it's, it's, there's some really good dads out there who maybe don't have that takeaway that you do, Gary, like that don't have that, that perspective of learning from their kids. Uh, maybe they, you know, they can love their kids, they can respect their kids, but maybe they don't take the time that you do. And I appreciate so much that you, you have that bond with your, with your son that it's, uh, they don't, they take that opportunity for granted. And, and I'm hoping 
that as time goes by, more and more dads do. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to start wrapping this up. I yeah. didn't realize what time it was. But Gary, before yep. we go, I have two more questions for you. Okay. First off, do you have a favorite vegan recipe that uh, is oh, one of your go-tos? Because look, this is just couple. for me. I need more. I have a couple. I can send you a chili that I created. Uh, I have a vegan chili that is my recipe. Uh, I can send you a scramble that is the best scramble that you're ever going to have. I have stuff. I have the the, the chili recipe. I actually have it in little book form that I made with, with pretty pictures. You know, I like pictures and I like chili. So... Yeah. Sounds. Can if I put the like pictures chili, in the chili? <laughs> you, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You yeah. literally make them out of. So what I've done, I've I've printed these pages, but the pages are garlic and beans. So you just really ball up the pages. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Throw it in water. It's very innovative. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, second question for you. I'm curious. Uh, this sort of started last week with uh, my last guest, but I know already from the feedback I've gotten, some listeners out there are kind of on this path that I was on and that Eddie was on and that they may become a father soon, especially during the pandemic. It's become a point of anxiety and contention. And I'm wondering, as a man who has been a father for almost two decades, do you have any words of wisdom that you could, uh, uh, you know, hand down? Any advice? Uh, my only advice is like that life, what I seek, I, I seek joy. And I find, I find joy in being a father. And it's, so it's like seek out that joy. Seek out that, that being able to play, being able to what Eddie was kind of see, seeing the world through their eyes. Like, it's better to see, like, we already have that point of how we look at things, but to, like, really see the world through a kid's eyes and in, encourage the way they think because they're thinking of some stuff that you and I don't ever get a chance to think of, that yeah. our brains aren't relaxed enough. Like, literally take time in the joy of it. And that's, that seems, that's that, it for me. It's that simple. That seems so simple, but it also seems so complicated, especially now since there's so many distractions available and you see a lot of parents out there at parks and stuff with their kids with their head down looking at their phones instead of being engaged in the moment i think that is a very good piece of advice and i buy a frisbee and throw it at your kid uh <laughs> all right all right Instant connection i'm gonna bill you for the head wound that is eventually gonna happen with my daughter nah, i didn't say how hard to throw it or at what part of their body that's on you bro <laughs> It's going to be frisbee golf with a two-year-old. Um, uh, Eddie, do you have anything else? No, this is um, this has been fantastic and really appreciate your, your perspective, Gary. And uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I always here for vegan recipes. I cook a lot, but I'm always looking to expand into more, you know, into things outside my wheelhouse. So I'd and love to hear it as well. If it's something that I can do in the instant pot, because that has become uh, a staple in my uh, kitchen. I love I, it. I oh I have I have do you eat split pea soup? I don't know. I, I have a vegan split pea soup for the instant pot. Ah, 
You're gonna love it. I it's just, very simple. I just made a Ukrainian lentil soup in the Instant Pot last week, man. I, I use instant the Instant Pot and the air fryer all the time. I cook dinner five days a week or seven days a week here. So yeah. like that's my that's one of my roles in the household while my right wife on. does her work. Um, Gary, brother, are you still doing your podcast? Uh, yeah, we're actually we're going to start doing some new ones soon. Uh, that podcast you're talking about is day drinking with Gary and Elliot. <laughs> and Elliot is a mixologist. Elliot right? is a mixologist. He's also an animation producer, even more than that. But oh, he wow. is a he is a self-taught home mixologist. So, yeah. So that's day, day drinking with Gary and Elliot. Yeah. Uh, and that's available everywhere. Podcasts are available. It, it, Yep, and that like there's about to be a re something good is happening with it, so you can catch the old ones out there now, and then there's about to be a rebirthing. Oh, that's great! I remember now, you so. were talking to me about that when it first started. You also finished shooting a thing on Netflix recently. Yeah, man, uh, a new a new Netflix sitcom is should be starting next year. We're already finished shooting the first season, uh, called The Crew with um kevin james and oh, uh, it's cool. about it yeah very fun very funny very fun guy like genuinely nice fun guy um uh so that'll start around february it's about a nascar racing uh crew and i'm the uh head mechanic yeah i was uh gary knows because i was interacting with you on instagram uh gary had to quarantine for two weeks when going two back weeks. to new york to shoot and could, literally could not leave the hotel room not even step out into my hallway for two solid weeks that was not easy <laughs> that yes. was horrible for me <laughs> but that it was, was fun to watch your content <laughs> i was i was literally i was seriously like losing it like yeah, you're a little stir crazy yeah, yeah yeah i would too man um no it's starting to make me think aaron maybe prisons aren't fun for guys i always thought prisons were fun oh. prisons are fun you get to stay in your room blah blah maybe they're not fun but what about orange is the new black they're, they're fun you made me yeah. rethink it yeah, well, you made you me rethink it um do you have anything else coming up that you want to pimp or oh god i should not use that term that you want to promote no, uh do i have anything else come up uh new episode just uh, I, there's some cartoons coming up that i i can't mention yet but definitely i can mention that new episodes of the boondocks will be coming up and then i can't mention what it is but a new movie that your children will be seeing next year so once it I, I don't know why out, I drew all that out. I I'm don't know why. I'm assuming we're gonna get Gary Anthony Williams autographed swag. Oh uh, yeah, you will. Yeah, oh. Gary, how can people find you online? Uh on the Instagram at Gary Anthony Williams. On Twitter at Gary A. Williams. Uh, I'm trying to not be too politically angry right now. So I'm just, you know, I'm, just keep, I'm keeping it down right now. Yeah, I, you know. I'm 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 in constant awareness and self-censoring <sighs> mode. I get it, man. <laughs> I, <sighs> I went through a thing earlier in the year where I, I, I went off the deep end on social media because I oh, couldn't I handle it. the anxiety and I yeah. got to dial it back because it started spilling into my <laughs> my life here at home. And uh, yeah. My daughter's yeah. like, daddy, angry, daddy, frustrated, uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, um, well, uh, Gary, this is uh, I have learned so much about you 
uh, seriously, too <laughs> like too I, much, really. We've uh, got no, it's too much about each other. We really. I'm I'm expecting you to take me with you to the next family reunion so I can be <laughs> your token, uh, not white guy, hey, just a token, token Jew that doesn't know anything about Southern food. That um, is true. That is. Oh yeah, we need. We do need. Like my sister and brother are always saying, "Why aren't there more Jewish people at the family reunion?" We're always saying, "Hi." That. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm here. I'll Shalom. teach you the horror. I'll bring some kugel. We can mix it up. You know, if you have time, look, I'll tell you what. Next yeah. Sukkot, why don't you come over? And we'll, I'm not uh, that Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more Jewish than you. Uh, <laughs> you live in the neighborhood, man. I you gotta... do, brother. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> wow, Gary, thank you so much. This has been a trip. Down the dad word spiral. I, I really do appreciate you coming on, especially given what's going on in the world. I know you're really busy. Um, once again, I want to thank Dragon Wagon Radio for giving us a home. You could find us on dragonwagonradio.com or at iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. I just found out we're, we're on CastBox, which is a, a podcast platform I learned about in my previous show. We're oh, that's fun everywhere yeah. and if you like what you're listening to please subscribe to us on itunes and give us a review we we live on reviews if you don't give us reviews we're starving and we might die He's my name lying. is aaron pruner <laughs> you can find me at aaron flux on twitter aaron w pruner on facebook and instagram and we're dadward spiral on twitter and facebook eddie where can people find you you can find me at Twitter at Kirby.Matrix. You can find me at Twitch at twitch.tv slash zero dork 30. Uh, and yeah. And yeah. And yeah. Thanks that, to Gary. That contains everything else. <laughs> Thanks to Gary Anthony Williams for joining us. Gary, I hope to see you at Whole Foods sometime soon. Oh, uh, yeah. Dude, I think about I'll it all the time. My daughter big, loves Whole Foods, you guys. There's some big plums out right now. I just want to tell you guys mm. this. Actually, if you go to that Tapia Brothers farm, do you will oh, find yeah. plums. Right there. I live right by there. I live right by there. I live plums like... over there the size of peaches right now. Ridiculous. Like big peaches. Delicious tomatoes. That's, Delicious. that's where we took our daughter to get her first ever pumpkin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, I was just there yesterday. That's pretty cool. I'd never been there before. But uh, I'm going to go now, I guess, and get plums the size plums. of my head. Uh, by the way, I'm not sponsored by Tapio Brothers, but Tapio Brothers, where fresh is the third ingredient. <laughs> Gary, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you, guys. Seriously, thank you. Um, thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll speak to you again soon. But until then, to coin Bill and Ted, be excellent to each other. I'm Koi Jandro. I am a comic book aficionado, expert, and overreader, and I am doing a show called KoiCast, where I am talking about everything from all the publishers. That's right, Marvel, DC, Image, Boom, IDW, every single comic you like, I am probably reading, and I want to talk about it with you. And then we'll talk about how it translates to movies, TV, film. We will cover everything from page to screen, from screen to page. We will loop it all back, and I'm going to give pull lists every single week what books you should be reading and what books influence the very movies and TV shows you're enjoying. So check out KoiCast.com and listen to KoiCast wherever podcasts are found. It's Dragon Wagon.